In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2 Youth are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Antonovich bringing you this week's episode of the 6D Helmets Kickstart podcast on Swap Moto Live. Still down in here in Australia um, covering the AusX Open and a couple other things that are going on. So right now we are, where are we? We are in Mount Martha, Victoria. Okay, that's Mitchell Oldenburg um, of a soon-to-be-announced team that we'll get into here in just a minute. But yeah, we're at this nice little house overlooking this amazing bay and Australia's sick. If you ever get the chance to come, please take the chance. This was awesome. Probably one of the best trips I've ever gone on, one of the coolest races that I've gone to. Because this guy was here, and he's been a part of this whole Australian series, so we have a lot to talk about. This has been an eventful year for Mitchell. Uh, 2020 is shaping up to be really, really good. So we'll get into all that, but this past year, you've learned so much. I think this might be the big breakthrough year for you as as an adult. You know, you're a dad now. Yeah. You have all these other things going on, and in the couple conversations that we've had, because we've spent a lot of time together these last few days, like I really have a better appreciation for freckle i've always liked you i've always had fun but now i'm like wow dude he gets it yeah so so we'll get into it now um let's start off how did this whole australia deal come about um well i guess we could start that uh things weren't really going my way back home in the states Mm -hmm. um was hopeful for some some rides to pan out and they just never panned out so uh, i'd kind of talked with swanee uh, who was my trainer the last two years, and he had this relationship with the Honda team over here, uh, Penrit Honda, and kind of just threw my name out there, and and we kind of got around to basically the team was full. They weren't like against doing a second 250 guy, but you know it wasn't really something they were really looking to do. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of fast forward to like I don't know, a couple days after outdoors ended, and I was like. Ah, screw it, I'm going to message him on Instagram. And actually, my wife, I'm not very good with words, so it's kind of tough for me to put some some stuff together. So my wife helped me out, and we put together this message, and I just messaged him on Instagram, like, basically, hey, I don't have anything going on. Would love an opportunity to come down to Australia and ride and race for you guys. Kind of just thinking that, you know, if, if I didn't get anything in the States, at least I got to go to Australia, visit the country, taking the whole experience as a whole and and race my dirt bike and then if that was it that was it um uh, for racing so um yeah it was kind of back and forth there for a bit he hit me back was interested just had to work some few things out um yeah and then it just kind of came together literally like a week before uh the first round i just got on a plane and rode the bike twice and went racing in brisbane so um pretty crazy to think about but it was either this or sit at home and hope for a fill-in ride and if it didn't come oh well and if it did I wouldn't have been ready for it anyway so this is kind of my way of, of staying ready for our series back home and and kind of putting myself in the best position possible for my future the big thing is uh, if you would have done that you would have just been in the rat race of 
the Southern California practice track thing. You go buy a bike, you have somebody do the engine, somebody do the suspension, and then you just stay in that same little circle all the time. Instead, you've been out here racing and rebuilding your confidence because as soon as you came off the track last night, the first thing you said to me was, I wish Anaheim was this weekend. I'd be ready to race right now. That's something you're not going to get just clicking off laps and watching lap times at Milestone. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, like, for me, I've already done the privateer thing. So I wasn't I'm, – I'm not willing to go do that again. Uh, it was just a lot of work, and it's a lot of, a lot of sacrifice and a lot of commitment and a lot of money. And I wasn't – I'm not the type of person to I, – I don't know if it sounds selfish, but I, I don't want to be selfish. You know, I have a family now, and I don't want to spend every dollar I've made to try and live the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a really – I feel like I've had a really great career. I'm really happy with it. I feel like I have a lot more to give, and uh, there's a lot more left in me. It's just a matter of putting all the, the pieces of the puzzle together. But I, I think this was really good for me, especially with the last couple of years being injured and just the highs and lows of of the mental side of it. It's it's tough, man. I, I couldn't believe it. And it gives you so much respect for the guys like Trey and, and RV and, and those guys who have those major injuries and come back and win and win championships. It's It, it blows my mind, really. Um, so, yeah, I think racing and getting the gate drops that I've been getting has been the best thing for me. And uh, I just, it's tough. Like a couple of these races haven't gone the way that I wanted them to, but uh, just kind of reminding myself like I'm, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at in life and, and God has his plan all set for me. I'm just, I'm just going through the motions really. So um, I'm having a blast. I feel like this really um, put the fun back into racing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of didn't realize that I hadn't really been having much fun the last couple of years because I put so much pressure on myself and expected so much of myself and it just wasn't happening. And then it was like, get to the race day and it's like, why am I even here? Like, this isn't fun. I was stressed out of my mind, nervous. Like, you know how it is. Like, it just, just all weighs on you. So um, having fun and really just just putting my head down and enjoying it with my family has been amazing. The big thing about this ride is it's not one of those deals where you get to go home every night and you see the team on the weekend and it's all these things. You are on the complete other side of the world. And every time that you guys did anything, I mean, you did this as a full team. Um, for people who don't know, Pinwright Honda is run by a guy, Gareev Konsky. He's been part of Honda's Australia deals for forever. Uh, he has this nice shop. And all of the mechanics, I mean, everybody's lived in this house. You, Duff, your mechanic, Nathan, your wife, your kid. That's commitment to come down here and be like, yo, we're moving in and we're going to surround ourselves with everything. Motorcycles, you don't get a break from it. But being around like-minded people this whole time has really rejuvenated you. Yeah, it's been awesome. You know, it's uh, it's obviously a lot smaller scale than it is in the States. So um, I feel like we have to work more as a team than than I think most people understand because there's so much going on and, and there's so many people to take care of in this small community with a lot smaller resources. Um, so it's been awesome, like like you said we've been living in basically in the same house it's been it's been really good like uh the mechanics get up early in the morning i ride in with the mechanics to the shop there's a gym at the shop that you know while they're getting the stuff ready in the morning i'm doing my morning warm-ups and stuff and we all go to the track together um we get dinner together most nights like it's it's really become quite a bit of a family and uh it's just been it's been cool to experience this with with a bunch of friends really 
and uh, I think it's just been an experience that I, I won't ever forget. Um, it was it was really cool because uh, I knew, obviously, my mechanic Nate. I've known for a couple of years now, being AP's practice guy, Shorty's guy, Baggett's guy, all that. And then same with Scott Lillis. Um, obviously, they worked at BTO together, so um, kind of knew them from the KTM days. So it was really easy transition knowing those guys and coming in and and really just picking up kind of where we left off and just joking around, giving each other a hard time. So uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to the future and and lining up for A1 because I think I think I'm the best prepared I can be right now and. And we'll just go give her all we got and see what happens. Coming off of um, this weekend's race, you win the overall, which is huge. And that last moto really showed, like, hey, you can do this because you had to fight for every position that you guys had there. It was you, Blows, who ends up, you know, your teammate wins the title. Jet Lawrence is there, all the Aussie talent. Josh Hosby, who led the championship until oil cap came off and then just night kind of didn't go his way. So the whole thing gets chaotic. But in these races, like you've said, they haven't gone great yet you found positives from all of them, and it's all built into this. You know, we're a month away from Anaheim 1 right now, and I'll let you announce what's going to be the deal. Yeah, so A1's been the big picture plan all along. Um, obviously, I wanted to win down here, and I wanted to win the championship, but um, like I said, the big picture's been A1. This is all preparation for Anaheim 1 and the West Coast Series and, and being ready to fight for that because I really feel like I can do some damage in that class. I've been on the podium a couple times now, won a couple heat races last year. Like I really, I really feel like if I can just put it all together, I can I can win races and fight for this championship in the states. So, um, just learning, even though it is a smaller scale, learning to be in a championship hunt and and managing the bad races is something that I didn't do very well at over here. Um, especially like the smaller, tighter races. I, I just, I mean. I didn't have much experience with it, and I really got caught with my pants down, um, which, um, I mean, it's it's good. Like, it's good to to learn while you're down here because if I would have came over here and, and smoked everyone and won every race, like, I don't think it would have been worth it. It would have been false confidence. Yeah, it would have been something that, yeah, I, I wouldn't have learned anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have learned a few things, but obviously, like, I don't think that's any any good. Like, it really put me in check, and... And I think the main thing has just been trusting myself and and the work that I do, because um, I I truly give it everything I have, and it's something that um, I think everyone says they do, and I, I'm confident now that that I am giving it everything I have, and there's there's really nothing more that I can do, and it's just how it plays out is how it plays out. But looking forward to the West Coast Series. Um, I'm going to be going racing with Penrite Honda, um, and then I'll be back here in Australia next year for the their championship, their Supercross championship. So uh, it's 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 going to be good. There's still some things that we need to iron out and and get put in place. But um, yes, we're going racing, and I'll be on the gate at Anaheim one for, on a Honda, which I'm really stoked about. I've been a Honda guy basically all through amateurs in my first couple of years pro as a privateer. So really comfortable with the brand and and really like the bike so um have some work to do definitely looking forward to getting home and 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 ready to go i feel like i'm in a good spot and i can yeah i I think i can i think i can make some waves this year so that's the goal we just went to dinner 
pretty much the whole team. A couple people were missing. Uh, a lot of people are going back to the States now because Sunday after the series is over. But it seems like that big team dynamic is really there. Not to discredit any team in the U.S. because everybody's together then, but you guys have to be together. Like, hell, the, half the team lives together. Everybody's at the shop together all the time. We all go to dinner, all these things. How was it for you to see that everybody, you know everyone's giving the same equal effort every day? Yeah, it's amazing. You know, we're we're a small team, and uh, we all have the same goal, and that's to be the best and to win races and win championships. So um, being over here with JB and and kind of learning from him and learning the ropes from him has been, been awesome for me. I think uh, someone who's been around the sport as long as he has, obviously he knows a lot, and he's learned a lot, and... Um, just picking his brain on a few little things as far as you know racing goes and line selection and gate choice and stuff like that has been really helpful for me and um, yeah like 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 I said the whole team like we all have the same goal and I think that's with most teams but but with this team it's 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 really cool to to go to dinner like that and and uh, really enjoy it and obviously like I, I really like to take Nate out after a, after a weekend just because of all the hard work that he does it's kind of my way of of saying thank you and um like you know i i notice it all like i there's nights where the guys don't get home till 2 a.m and then they got to be back in the shop at 6 a.m because there's just so much to do and with the the new zealand round and stuff like that having to ship the bikes and and stuff like that and now we're going to the states we go back on thursday but we have to ship bikes out on tuesday but we just finished racing so there's there's just a lot to be done these next couple days and and uh, it's kind of my way of saying thank you, and and you know I help out when I can, and and uh, really just yeah, it's just awesome to see this this much support for for me and belief in me. It's it's it really goes a long way, and I just want to repay them with some good results and and some respect. Your Reeves team is the factory Honda team down here. He runs a lot of stuff for Honda. There's a lot of things that go on, and this was a huge weekend for him because not only did you know JB win his championship. Blos wins his title, and you know you're in the mix. Medi does good. All these things are great. It's a factory Honda thing, so that's a huge statement for you to be part of that team. However, it's not Team HRC as we know it in the United States. A couple things are different. You guys don't have access to everything because, as you'll listen to this other podcast I did with Scott Lillis and um, a couple other guys on the team, the Aussie to America difference is huge. They don't have all the resources down here. They don't have the budget. You've had to really work on, you had to do a lot with a little at times. And I think that that's made all of you guys appreciate more and allowed you to be focused on the goal at hand. Would you say the same thing? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's something that I, I I don't know if I took it for granted back home in the States, but mm-hmm. um, definitely, um, I guess, realized after being on this team and, and being on, like, TLD and Star and those factory teams, like the the amount of resources and and everything that was was put into it was was pretty incredible and it's uh it was amazing times on those teams but I think with this team it's just I guess the way to describe it is it would be like a not to like discredit it or anything but it's it's almost like a factory supported team mm-hmm. back home in the states. So, like, Honda helps out a lot, but we're not doing really in-house motors or in-house suspension or stuff like that. So, um, with with my deal, I had the option to basically bring my own suspension and motors. Um, 
which I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get the motors done in time because it came together so late that I just had the team handle, had their guy do the, my motors, and, and I was able to bring some KYB suspension over with uh, Ricky Gilmore, helped out a lot with that. So, um, yeah, it's just a really cool uh, cool team to be a part of because we have we don't have the resources, but we have options too. So that's that's really nice to have and, and to be able to, to run what, what you know works for you has been, been awesome. So. Do you think that because you don't have all of these like, well, hey, we can try this or we'll do this, and you don't have these unlimited options that you can really hone in the bike and know, hey, we're going to do these things and I get to check the feedback on a certain thing instead of all of these things at once and trying to hunt and see what made the actual difference? Yeah, I, I don't really like to change much. I, I'm more of a guy. I want to go there and do my motos and, and make sure I'm the best I can be. Um, obviously, I've had to learn – how to, to test and, and set up a bike the last couple of years and and I kind of know what I like so it's it's not much of a uh, a problem for me mm-hmm. um, because at the end of the day if your bike works good but you're not fit like what's the point yeah you know what I mean so so for me I, I really enjoy the fitness side of our sport and I really enjoy the bicycle rides and and the gym sessions and the long motos during the week and stuff like that like I really I really get into to the the fitness data and stuff of the heart rates and stuff like that so um for me it's good like there we've tried a few different things but but i don't like to be the guy to go test all day and not get any motos in like i'd I'd rather do a couple half days of testing and then you know getting some motos in towards the end of the day to make sure i'm where i need to be so that's been good and and working with ricky i i really didn't test anything suspension wise until this last week Mm mm-hmm um, just because I hadn't, I hadn't really met Ricky, I just only talked to him on the phone, and we made some clicker changes over the phone, and they seemed to work. But when, when he came here and was able to watch me, and and sometimes I have, you have a hard time kind of relaying what you're feeling to the guys. But he was really good about being able to see what my bike was doing and and able to make changes without me having to say anything, which was, is I think the best thing for a rider because I don't have to really think about anything. He can see it and make it better. So. Um, that was a, a really good help and I'm looking forward to getting back to the States with him and, and really getting to work and, and trying a few different things, um, to make the bike that much better. But I mean, right now I'm super stoked on my bike. I think it handles great and, um, motor's awesome. So, uh, I think, I think we have the bike to be able to, to get the results this year. And I think I'm in a good spot fitness wise and, and racing wise that I, I don't see why we can't be on the podium and fight for wins so um that's obviously the goal and that's that's always been the goal and that's always will be the goal is to win so um i definitely don't come to these races to uh to get second or third or fourth or tenth so um yeah we'll just keep plugging away and and make the bike better as we go and um but as far right now i think i think we're in a great spot Mm -hmm. let's talk about coming down to australia a bit you committed. I mean, the wife and the kid are down here. That's yep. all the noise in the background. But <laughs> the little guy's been sick all week. You know, you had to go, I mean, today, even go to the hospital to make sure he's all good before you guys set off back home because you want to make sure everything's all taken care of. And, and that's just another little obstacle you have to deal with, but it's fine. It's just part of it. Yeah. How was it down here in Australia? Was it what you expected? A lot better, a lot different. Did you enjoy it? Um. Yeah, I've enjoyed this trip more than anything, and I think – it's funny because like normally at the end of like your trips you're you're kind of ready to go home and 
and like I'm excited to go home, but I'm not like dying to get back to the states. Like I'm having I'm having a lot of fun right now. So, um, especially that was that was something that I had discussed before I came over here. Is I wasn't coming over here without my family, um, especially having a, a eight month old baby at the time. Like I I can't be away from those guys for two months and and be sane. So, um, they unfortunately. They came down a couple weeks after I had gotten down here. My wife had to stay back. She was in uh, Aaron and Kendall Plessinger's wedding. So um, she stayed back in the States for a couple weeks. And then she made the solo trip with the the seven-month-old baby by herself and soldiered that out. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so um, it's been awesome. You know, I think uh, this weekend kind of sucked. Like my, My son got sick on... I think Wednesday and he wasn't start he wasn't sounding any better um so they stayed back yesterday at the hotel and just watched live timing which which kind of sucked I, I was really bummed that they weren't able there able to be there and and see the the racing and stuff because I really felt like I I raced the best I have in a really long time and uh but yeah we took him to the hospital this morning just to make sure everything's good he's just got a little cold so um just trying to kind of get him rested up as much as we can before this flight home on Thursday. So it's been it's been a lot of fun though. All right, we're sitting in the living room of the house, and I mean this is an amazing house. It's a shame they're gonna tear it down after we leave. But like looking around, you know, you have a nice little setup. You brought your road bicycle down. All your kits there. You know, there's a yoga mat and a bosa ball over there. How was it? How refreshing was it to put in all the work? but in a beautiful setting like this. Like, this is a working vacation, right? Oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, like, my very first day here, I I just cycled along the coast here, and you can go down probably 25 miles, turn around, come right back, and you cycle along the water the whole way, and it is just an unbelievable, like, like view, and I, I could do that every single day. Like, I really enjoy cycling, and and just going for cruises like that is it's, it's so awesome. Like, um... The weather's been kind of up and down. Like there's there's days where we'll have thirty mile an hour winds, and it's forty five to fifty degrees outside. So those are kind of miserable. But um, I guess this time of year in Melbourne, it's it's they call it they get the four seasons in one day. It'll be freezing to scorching hot to raining to dang near snowing in in one single day. So. Um, but the view and just everything, the house that we're staying is unbelievable. It's it's on a hill overlooking the ocean, and it's just an incredible. Uh, it's really it's really an incredible thing because it's kind of what you see or what you expect Australia to be like is the the beaches and the ocean and the sunshine. Some days here in Melbourne, yeah. But uh, it's yeah, it's it's awesome. The big thing that you and I had discussed a couple times was this trip has kind of made you appreciate moto again. Because it's a smaller scale deal, and you get to be back into it. Let's talk about that just a bit. How you've taken—it's like going a family style racing again instead of a big factory team and all these pressures and all this other stuff. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the main thing that Uribe, the team owner, kind of drilled into me from the beginning. Is is, is how we laugh about it all the time. Is the the first race obviously didn't go my way, but the second race he told me like eight times a day to have fun and it's something that I hadn't been told in a really long time 
it was, you know, you know, you get I to, tell you people this and I guess you guys just don't listen to me. Yeah. That's the one, like literally, no, I, I don't know. tell anybody like, Hey, good luck. Cause you can't play favorites. I just, every time I see one of you guys, I'm like, Hey, have fun yep. because this is fun shit. Yeah. Like, and don't take it for granted while you're out there. You guys, once you start seeing how fun it is again, like yep. you said, it gets way better. And that's the crazy part is like, it's so simple. It's so simple. That's why we got into the sport is have fun, you know? And, and it's, it's always fun when you're doing good and you're having, you're winning races and you're you know, you're achieving your goals, but those times that it's not going right, it's, you need that reminder because it's so easy to get down on yourself and, and really depressed. It's, it's, it's a tough thing. Like our sport is gnarly and it's, it's something that I think people don't understand that we go through is, is depression because we give it everything we have and we, we put our absolute all into the sport and it just does not care. Like, it'll chew you up and spit you out, literally. Like, as dumb as that sounds, like, just the injuries and stuff. I felt like the last two years, I'm I'm climbing, I'm getting to where I need to be, and then, bang, I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm starting back over, and then I'm getting back to where I need to be, and then it's, like, it's, it's just constant ups and downs. And and the biggest thing for me was just my head. I couldn't I couldn't get past the, the mental side of it because... It's like, man, I'm doing all this work and it's just not happening. Like, am I am I supposed to race dirt bikes? Like, am I am I supposed to be doing this? Because I I can't take the the injuries and the not so much the pain or the like getting back from the injuries. It's the do all this work to get where I'm supposed to be and then starting from scratch again. Like that's that's the hardest thing about our sport and it's it gives you a huge respect for like like I said those guys like like Trey is is unbelievable the the injuries that he's had and then to to be able to come back and and do what he's done is is unbelievable like even like Jeremy Martin for what he did like to be back even on a dirt bike is incredible to me mm-hmm. so um it's it's been a big learning curve and and just having to have fun again like understanding that the reason we got into the sport is because it was fun and we enjoyed it and it was a family family event really mm-hmm. and that's something that i realized that if i'm not having fun then what's the point in doing this because it's 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 really not fun when you're not having i mean as, yeah i mean you get what i'm saying uh, but yeah, yeah yeah it's you're good <laughs> okay um i wanted we got to take a commercial break in a second but there's one thing i want to talk to you about before we go into this whole second half because the second half is deep like okay. i have a lot of stuff in mind and i really want to pick <laughs> your brain about it because we've talked about it in passing but I don't think you've ever really told the public certain things. Yeah. And I want to get your opinion on it. Okay. But Friday night, we go to dinner at the Crown Casino in Melbourne, which is a big deal that you've put on as a sponsor of the, of the team for the race and everything like that. And I had a couple beers, and everybody else did too, but you didn't. And you looked at me and said, yeah, the first alcohol I ever had was your podium champagne. Yeah. Do you realize how badass and, like, motivated that is? <laughs> like, that is the coolest story I've ever heard yeah. for a first drink. That was that was my plan all along. Like I never really had a desire. As a child, you thought about that. Uh, I mean, just when I started getting older, like I never really had a desire to drink. Like I guess I was I was really a naive kid. Like I thought that um, drugs and alcohol were like the devil. Yeah, and like nobody ever did them. Like mm-hmm. like because you know how it is. Like you have dare come to school and stuff and tell you yeah, how yeah. bad they are, and you're like, well, okay, like tell me it's bad. I'm not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And then come to find out, like, I'm, like, 20 years old, and I'm finding out that, like, some of my friends are, like, smoking weed and stuff, and I'm, like, are you kidding me? Like, 
what are you doing? Like, get your head, get your act together. And and, like, oh my god, and stuff like that. So I, I just never really had the desire to drink. And like, I the older I got, uh, like 21, 22, I think I was twenty two when I got my podium. So, um, like even twenty one, like I'd have friends bug me, like, come on, you're like old enough, just just have a drink with me. And I'm like, nah, it's not for me. I I want my first drink to be from the podium. I think that was like my motivation. Not that I wanted to drink. I just, I just wanted, honestly, wanted the trophy more than anything. Cause I, I mean, as a kid, like you win trophies every single weekend, and mm-hmm. like I'm you sure I'm not the only one. It. But yeah, you don't, you don't even pick them up. Like, think about how many you've probably thrown away. I, exactly, and I, I mean, I turned pro in 2013, and I went four years without getting a trophy, and I'm like, what is? I, I need the trophy. <laughs> so that was my motivation more than anything was to get being trophy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's still something I don't do. I I think I've drunk or drank like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, I drank the Thursday night before my wedding because I didn't want to be drunk at my wedding, and uh, I needed to know how much I could tolerate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had a couple drinks the night uh, Thursday night before. I drank at my wedding, and then I drank on my honeymoon. But that was that was about it. For me, I'm not I'm not much into that. So. Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. What'd you think the first time you tasted it? Uh, I'm not a beer guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more of like a, like my brother drinks like whiskey and Coke. So mm-hmm. like crown and Coke and stuff. But I mean the first time you taste podium champagne. Oh, the champagne. I, I actually liked it. Like it was good. I you mean, have to win more to get more of it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's been the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we're going to come back. This last year has been hard. Um, but in these last few days, I've seen, like, it didn't break you. It's probably made you better than ever, especially with that little guy sitting yeah. over there. I want to talk about how close this came to being the end and uh, how ready you were for it. And then instead, you're probably more fired up than ever. So listen to these commercials. Come back. We'll have more with Mitchell. Out here, on the edge, failure is no option. Here, you don't compromise. Off-road, on-road, on the track, off the grid. Sunstar sprockets and brake discs come installed in more motorcycles and all-terrain vehicles than any other in the world, period. The engineers who design your bike trust and spec Sunstar for the same reason you should. Because here, on the edge, failure is no option. Sunstar, number one in sprockets and brake discs. Hey everyone, it's Marvin Miskin from the Red Bull KTM Racing Team. Right now, KTM is making it easier than ever to get out and ride. Head to your local KTM Autorized dealer to take advantage of limited time offer on qualified dirt, street, adventure, and naked models, or check out KTM.com to learn more today. Hi, this is 250 Supercross Champion Chase Sexton of the Geico Hana team. To get the most performance out of your motocross bike, make sure you're using the Yoshimura exhaust systems. Visit Yosh at Yoshimura-RD.com to see their wide line of slip-ons and complete systems for your bike today. Now enjoy the Swap Moto Live Kickstart podcast. Riders like Justin Cooper, Dylan Ferrandis, Eli Tomac, Adam Entingnap, Josh Hansen, and more partner with Works Chassis Lab for engine mounts and other special parts to add comfort to and enhance the handling characteristics of their bikes. With championships and race wins to prove it, Works Chassis Lab Parts provides the winning edge. Visit WorksChassisLab.com for more information. 
In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2U are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info. Hey, it's Bo Hahn, team manager of the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team. Works Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in motocross for over 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device to their original axle blocks. Works Connection parts are designed and produced in California, and we are proud to use them on our factory race bikes in Supercross and Motocross. Check them out at worksconnection.com. All right. Um, I remember seeing you as a privateer guy a few years ago, and it's a little sketchy. Like, I think we all know that. But Jimmy Albertson, when you were on his team, he's like, hey, watch him. He's going to be good. And. I paid attention and you were, you're good. You know, you had the speed, you had the skill. It was rough, but it came together. And it's, it's pretty impressive because we never think about those guys that are outside of the, you know, amateur glory and then right into factory contracts and all that. But you've proven that you can make yourself one of those fastest guys on any given weekend this week or this year. Exactly. It was Vegas fastest guy in qualifying. And then, just completely goes off the rails. Yeah, hero to zero. <laughs> Can you take me through what it's like for you as a as an individual to know, like, on any given day, you can be the best guy in the class? Like, how how good does that feel? Um, or do you not even think about it? I mean, that's kind of something that that I that I struggle with because uh, I don't really see myself as one of the best guys. I'm still. It's it's the results don't lie though. The like, results don't lie. Like a lap time doesn't yeah. lie. I think it's something that I'm working on right now, and it's it's something that actually my wife just told me this quote literally yesterday morning before the race is, um, comparison is the thief of joy, and I'm always comparing myself to like where I should be or, or other riders, and and that's something that it's really taken away from the fun of the sport for me is uh like I said I do work as hard as I can and and it when it doesn't work out it's it's I'm comparing myself to other people that it is working out and you know I see guys having ice cream or cutting corners here and there and it's working out for them and it's like why isn't it working out for me I don't cut corners you know what I mean so um but those days that you do lay it down like in Vegas I think it's something that I had to learn is is to be more neutral um, with my, with my, um, I guess highs and lows of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, you come in fast to qualify, you're stoked, you're excited and then you go out the next practice and you're like fifth and then you're all bummed out and, and super low. And I think that's something that I've really worked on with, um, with the sports psychologist I've been working with is to, you know, be, be more neutral and, and take it as it is and take it one session, one lap, one corner at a time, um, rather than than getting too high and then too low and then you're just an emotional roller coaster all day so um i think the speed's never been the issue i think it's been like for me starting out as a privateer like i jumped into the deep end didn't know anything didn't have any direction on what i was getting myself into like i remember showing up for my first outdoor national and i think i got like 25th the first moto and i get my gear off and i have like a little 
I think I had a banana or something. My dad's like, all right, we got to go. We got to get back on the line. And I'm like, smoked. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting on a dirt bike right now. Like, I, I had thought we had like three hours in between motos. Like, just just the direction. I didn't I didn't have any anybody to tell me what to expect coming into it. So it's all been self learning and self. Mm. Yeah, just just learning as we go, and it it sucks because I really came in not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. So um, to get to where I'm at is I'm super proud of. It's something that I've busted my butt to get to, and I truly believe I have a lot, lot more to give. I, I don't think I'm even close to being done. Um, if you would ask me this summer, I probably would have told you something different. Yeah. But I, I really found the fun back in racing, and I'm, I'm excited to, to put it to use. Okay, take me back through Vegas. Um, wasn't necessarily the crash that was the bad thing. I mean, yeah, you did get knocked out, and that was terrible, but that being knocked out is what led to the next thing, which was being stuck under the bike, and then you getting a second, third-degree burn? Third, yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh... What happened? Because um... it wasn't it wasn't like, immediately, this is a problem. It was just like, yeah, he's burned. It was yeah. days later that it became the issue. Yeah, so I guess what happened was I just wasn't too smart that night and made the same mistake twice, which is something that's inexcusable. Um, was just getting ahead of myself and crashing the heat race. No big deal. Um, had to go to the LCQ, was leading the LCQ and just, I don't know, man. I just brain farted, I think. I think I was trying to hit the whoops too fast for how uneven they were. And they were tricky, too, because it came off the finish line into them. Yeah, and I was crushing them in practice. Like, I think that's why I was the fastest qualifiers, because I was hitting those whoops so fast and so comfortable. And then when they got uneven and slippery, I didn't adjust to it. I just kept trying to hit it the same way, and it, it bit me. And, yeah, knocked myself out, had the bike on top of me for I don't, I don't know how long, but it, the header pipe fried my butt cheek. And, uh, yeah, saw, like, the doctor from the races, and he's like, yeah, come in Monday, we'll check it out. Uh, we checked it out on Monday. He's like, yeah, everything looks good. Just keep it clean and covered, and it should heal. And... Uh, had I not knocked myself out, I probably would have been riding. But, but riding I, that night, Monday at least. Okay. Do you find out where that? We'll get into that later. Keep going though. Yeah. Because I want to go back to that. Yeah. So, um, I was taking that week off because I have my concussion just just to make sure my head was good and um, did a couple light workouts, did some mountain bike rides, and I'm like, you know what, man, I should I should probably go see a specialist just to make sure this thing gets taken care of. Um, and there's a burn specialist in San Diego about an hour from my house. Um, did a mountain bike ride Thursday morning before my appointment. Cruise down there thinking they're going to just clean me up, send me on my way. And they go, yeah, no, you're not leaving the hospital. Like, that thing ain't going to heal. Um, like, we need to get you basically admitted and see what we can do to, to get this thing taken care of. And I was like, well, crap. Like, I got a two-month-old kid and my wife. That's all I have here in California. Like, my wife, I guess I sent my wife home by herself with the two-month-old kid for the next however many days. I had no idea how long I was going to be there or anything. Um, so I flew my mom out. She came and helped out with, with my, my son. And then um, they made the trip to San Diego every day. But basically, uh, it was burned. I burned all the nerves in there, so I didn't feel anything. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And um, so they tried, like, cleaning it and getting all, like, the... I guess like 
the the callus blistered up or mm-hmm. something off. It was all white, and they tried getting that off, and they couldn't get it off. So they're like, we can go in, cut it out, um, and basically try to let it heal on its own, or we can just do a skin graft. And I was like, well, just get me healed up as soon as possible, because at that time I was like, I got to be on the gate at Hangtown next weekend. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I, I got to get this thing taken care of. And um, so, yeah, we did surgery couple days later finally got in for surgery did surgery did a skin graft and then i find out after surgery that i can't get out of bed for minimum three to three to five days because the skin graft is so fragile they don't want me moving and stretching it and pulling it apart because if they do that then we have to start over and redo the skin graft so i literally laid in bed for three and a half days like couldn't even get out of bed to, to go to the bathroom like i couldn't move and um, finally got that taken care of, got out of the hospital eight or nine days later. And then I couldn't do anything for two weeks because they didn't want me messing the skin graft up. So I basically sat on the couch for two weeks, didn't do anything. And then during all that, I got a phone call basically saying that, you know, hey, we signed someone else, start looking. And so then panic sets in because mm-hmm. it's like, well, I'm not racing right now i don't have a job um what am i gonna do so kind of going against everyone's advice as soon as i got released to ride i went racing the next weekend yep Um, which wasn't the smartest thing to do but i mean the way i looked at it was i'm not gonna get a ride sitting on the couch so i'm gonna go out swinging like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go get everything i have and if i don't get a ride then i i i tried and obviously outdoors didn't go that well because I wasn't I wasn't in shape like I hadn't raced outdoors in three years and then you give me two days on the bike before my first outdoor back and it's just not gonna go well like I was basically basically set myself up for failure there so outdoors was rough and then you're dealing with you know am I gonna get a ride am I not this looks positive like I think it's gonna happen to the next day signing someone else and then i'm not getting the results that i think i can get and it's just like outdoors was the lowest point of the last couple years for me i just i was struggling mentally and then every weekend questioning like am i supposed to be racing dirt bikes because nothing seemed to be going my way and uh i I really needed this trip to australia to reset because um I thought I was going to be an electrician come September. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's been a rough road, that's for sure. Okay, the first race was High Point, and yep. I was there Friday. We did that, like, maybe a five-minute interview. Yep. But even before we did the interview, you're like, hey, I, I'm not coming back here next year. I already know it, but I can't yep. say anything yet. How hard is it for you to have to put on this, like, positive face when everything around you is, like, crumbling? Because that's like gotta be that's gotta be even worse and harder on your mentality oh. because like you're basically living a lie to the public even though on the inside you're like Ugh. it's really tough. Um, the hardest part was is I have the team. The team gave me everything I had till the very end. Everything they had till the very end. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't just because I wasn't coming back next year didn't mean they weren't gonna. You didn't get put on a B bike. No, like that. not at all. They they if we needed to test, we tested. If 
whatever I needed, they they did, and it was incredible. Like I was so blessed for that. I kind of I wouldn't hold it against them if they were just like, all right, like you're done next year anyway. Like mm-hmm. just get through. Like you're on your own basically. Like I I, I understood it. Um, I think the hardest part for me was um the people around me telling me to that i needed to believe in myself when i felt that they didn't even believe in me mm-hmm. um which i don't i don't think it's true but this is just the way I it's felt how you feel because they signed someone over me mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so it's like how do i believe in myself when i feel like you guys don't believe in me mm-hmm. when when I, I i they they truly probably did but it's just the way i felt because they picked someone over me i mean in reality they picked someone over me and i didn't i didn't necessarily agree with it obviously i mean i i think i deserve more than i i probably do which i think that most riders do i mean you like, have to be selfish you yeah have you have to greedy. be selfish and i mean we we work i i don't know it's, it's just a tough thing to answer to because like you do everything you're told and everything you're supposed to and it, things don't go your way and, mm-hmm. and it's understandable. Like, you, you can't win them all. But, yeah, it's just something that's that's tough to, to deal with mentally. And, uh, yeah, like I said, the whole um, believing in yourself is something that I've, I've really struggled with my whole life just because I, I don't know, like, I just... I, this the whole comparison thing i just feel like i compare myself too much to other people and expect so much out of myself that it just doesn't doesn't always work out but it's something that i feel like i'm getting a, a real handle on um something that um i'm really investing in and, and trying to figure out because i think that's the one thing that's holding me back from actually getting it getting wins and championships and stuff is is the mental side of it and like I said earlier, I'm working with a sports psychologist and and really focusing on myself and what I can control and that's all I can control and, and everything else is is just up in the air and, and God's will really. Okay. Uh Sunday after Southwick. I do this exact same podcast with Colt Nichols at his house. You know, he's your teammate. You see all the stuff he's going through. I mean you you know the same thing. He's gone through his injuries and then he has a great year. And on that podcast he goes, Yeah, I'm seeing a sports psychologist he and I talk about it at length, and he says, like, yeah, well, yeah, why wouldn't I? All these other professional athletes do. It helps them. Why wouldn't I do the same? What is it about you that was finally the the deciding factor of, like, yeah, I am going to go through and do this? Colt Nichols. Is it really? 100%. Um, right before Anaheim won, I had heard he'd seen someone. And I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of a smart idea. And then Phoenix Supercross. Um I'm watching the main event, and the first five, six minutes of the race, he's he's going backwards, and I'm like, "Gosh, what's going on?" And then all of a sudden, something something switched, and he just like took off, and he he got up to second, and he was getting dang close to the to the to the leaders, and, and I think it was Adam winning that race. So, and I'm like, something something's to it, like something clicked there, and I I asked him about it, and we talked about it for a little bit. I'm like, "Man, do you mind if I go see?" see her like I think it's something that I really need to to get a handle on and um I went and saw her and I worked with her through through Supercross and uh just some things work for certain people and I just don't think we me and and her really clicked Mm -hmm. that psychologist so 
Um, I had kind of given up on it, and then when I came to Australia, um, Yuriv, the team owner, hooked me up with someone that he knew from here, and and I've seen him the last three weeks now, and it's just like, like he he gets me, and he gets exactly what I'm thinking, and I think he like once you find that that person that clicks with you and and knows how to handle your certain situation, it's been it can really it can really be good and and last night especially is when i i really noticed um what we had talked about worked it was just something that um something as as simple as just um a trigger to just kind of help you reset your mind during the race um which is tough because we didn't have pit boards last night mm-hmm. so um we actually put it on my gas tank and it was just just something to just uh, just to remind myself to basically worry about myself and do my own thing. Um, but yeah, Colt was the whole reason I had even looked into it. So it's, uh, I think it's, I mean, we do all this work off the bike, on the bike, training, testing, diet, all that, but we don't do anything for our heads. Like it's, it doesn't make sense. So, um, yeah, just trying to put all the, these puzzle pieces together. Okay back to that high point conversation when we get done doing the interview you and i talk and i'm like well hey what are you gonna do and you said you know i, I have backup plans and i have all this stuff the electrician thing like it's, it's legit like, you go do that no problem there's nothing that'll stop you from doing that and this is not a knock because i'm sure there's a lot of electricians that listen to this podcast and there are a lot of people that have regular jobs and you saying, I don't want to go do that is not discrediting them. You just know your passion is racing dirt bikes. What was it that made you go, no, I have to do this one more time? Um, I think for me, my biggest fear is being selfish and doing this too long and trying to live the dream and going broke doing it because I know there's a life after motocross. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really hard for some people to accept. And it's something that I've accepted at a young age. Um, so basically, I'm not scared to go shovel crap to make money. Like, I will do whatever I have to do to support my family. And I will work 10 jobs if I have to. I'm not scared to work. Never have been. Never will be. Um, and I have... Basically, my father-in-law owns a big electric company in Waco, Texas. So... There's always that. I can always go to work tomorrow if I absolutely have to. Um, obviously, I don't want to because my passion is racing, and, and I still believe I can win, and I still believe I can I can be a champion, and that's really all I care about. I don't really care about making money in the sport because, I mean, at money goes. Like, I'll make more money tomorrow. That's, that's the easy part. Making money is the easy part. Like I'm, like I said, I'm not scared to work. So, I just want to, I just want to give it everything I have and and achieve what I know I can, and I'll be happy with that. Like, it's uh, it's something that, um, such a small percentage gets to do is race professionally, and I'm, I'm blessed to have the ability I do on a dirt bike, and I just don't want to let it go to waste, and I don't want to let the people down that. Uh, have invested in me and and believe in me and that's something that that keeps me going every weekend all right um before we press play on this 
recorder and all that stuff, we were just kind of sharing moto stories because your wife is into it. Like she's a <laughs> moto chick, and it's cool because you have to have somebody that understands it. I think that not a lot of people have someone that understands the whole thing, and she gets it. Her brother yeah. races; she's seen it at all levels. How important is it for you to have her that gets it? It's been the best thing for me. She's been there since uh, my last year amateur. So she's been through the through the privateers, through the uh, fill-in rides week to week, to the full year, to not having a ride again, to to everything. And she, she keeps me sane. She really keeps my head in it. And the times that I want to give up and and think like this is too much like what's the point she gets my head back in it and says like no you're too good to to stop now like we've we've come way too far to only come this far and we're not we're not stopping until till it's time to be done and um even when i think it's time to be done she's like no you you have a lot more in you i know you do so it's been uh it's been the best thing for me um I think a lot of a lot of people in our industry and in our sport and even in in the world of professional athletes um, kind of view girlfriends and wives as a bad thing, almost as a distraction. Yeah, 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 and I, I something I don't really agree with. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think it's all in where your priorities are, and I think um, we've had the same goal since day one. We know how. We both work, and um, she's the one that picks me up when I'm down. And it's something that we had to figure out very early on because I had those bad races, and and she was way more mad at me than I was about the bad really? races. And that's something that, like, like we talked about. Like, I, I can't have that. I'm already hard on myself enough. Like, you need to be the one to, to get me together and, and get me looking forward and, and to the next race because – us being mad about this isn't going to do any good. Like it's done. It's over with. Let's, let's move on from it. And literally that was the last time I think she's ever been mad at me for, for being, for not doing as well as I should have at a race. Because like I told her, like I'm not trying to get fifth place. Like mm-hmm. I'm not in fifth place and saying like, Nope, this, this is, is it. it. I'm, I'm staying here. I'm not going to pass anybody. Like this is what I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. Like I'm giving everything I have that just didn't work out. If I made a dumb decision, that's on me. But um, she she really understands that uh, even the sacrifice that, that I've made for this sport, and she's made a bigger sacrifice than I have because she's letting me do this. Mm-hmm. Like we have a eight-month-old son, and we're by ourselves in California. And I leave every weekend to go racing, and she's at home with a brand-new newborn by herself while I'm on the other side of the country. And it's like crazy to think about that. Like you, you're by yourself. If something goes wrong, it's it's on you. Like you have to figure it out. You don't have anybody here to help you. Like it's scary. And um, but she handles it like like a trooper. Like she's unbelievable. And uh, it's just it's crazy. Like a lot of people, I don't think understand the position we're in, having to be in California, having our family in Texas, stuff like that. Like it, it really is tough on on her more than anything like we get married and she has to move to california no friends no family i'm gone on the weekends and that's it mm-hmm. it's it's been i think it's been tougher on her than anything and she's handled it like a better than i could have ever imagined so 
yeah, she totally understands and gets it. And, and like I said, we have the same goal and, and we both aren't going to stop until we get there. She and I had this amazing talk at dinner. Like while you guys all discussed racing and all that stuff with the rest of the team, you know, I play with your kid and I talk to your chick. (laughs) Um, But the thing that like my big takeaway, and I've thought this for a while, you guys are all going through this. Like all of you guys on the starting line, it's a shared, similar struggle. You guys are all going through the same thing. The fact that you guys have to kind of start appreciating each other more and understanding like, hey, I'm not, it's not me against the world. It's me against 22 other guys, 21 other guys, whatever, that are going through the same thing. So I think that if you guys, if more people, and I, this could be totally way off base, if more of you guys were able to understand that and support each other, but still have that fine line of competitiveness and make you not feel so isolated all the time, it'd be a hard thing to do, but you have like close circle friends. Like you said, she was in Aaron's wedding and all these things. Like you guys get it. Yeah. It's just, it's harder to find out like, it's not really just us against the world. There's everybody else is going through the same thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think with, with how we swap from team to team so much that, you know, you create this friendship with people and then you go to a different team and it's almost like um, the team you're on is the enemy. Mm-hmm. So you can't talk to them, you know, like you compete against them. Like that's kind of the, the tough part. Like um, I, I feel like I'm very easy to get along with and I get along with, with I think everyone in the sport. I don't think I have beef with anybody that I know of. I mean, I, I'm just here riding my dirt bike trying to do my best and I'm not going to go out of my way to to take you out or, or disrespect you in any way. Like I'm going to race you clean and I'm going to race you fair and, and I kind of look towards that towards everybody um and the same thing with with like my wife like like we understand that that this isn't everything like yes this is our lives but it's not our whole life this is right now and after racing the world doesn't really care what you've done like they don't care that you're a supercross champ or you've won 30 races or i mean i mean what if what what do you have to take with you like a little piece of paper that says first place on it like i mean yeah don't get me wrong that's it's important it's important and that's at the time and that's all i can think about right now is winning races like that's all i want but i also get that after racing it doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. and i'm okay with that like i will i'm okay with with winning one race and and having the piece of paper in my room, like, don't get me wrong, that's exactly what I want. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's bigger moments in, in life that are more important, and that's something I realized over the last few years, getting married, having my first son, like, things like that, that, like, racing doesn't compare to. Okay, we're sitting in the press conference last night. Uh, you're not there, which I don't get why they didn't have you guys there, but... I don't know anything about a press conference. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But JB and Chad Reed, Josh Hill, Dan Reardon, and even Jason are all sitting up there, and then there's Hunter Lawrence. Or no, Jet Lawrence, sorry. Been a long week. Um, There's this 16-year-old kid with all of these 20- and 30-year-olds, and the big thing that all of the older guys kept saying was like, yeah, we've figured out who we are, and we're confident in ourselves now. And from everything you've just said, you have this appreciation and this realization of like, yes, there is more to life than just this one thing. And 
seems like once these guys that get later on in life accept that, they really break into that stride of being who they really are. It's almost unfeasible to think that an 18-year-old kid that's never done anything else other than his life, other than riding a dirt bike, is going to figure it out the first time. they got to go through these things to figure out why it's important and why they want to do it, because otherwise it just becomes too systematic. It seems like you have figured that out, too, like, yeah, man, this is fun. We're going to do it. But at the same time, too, like, and we're going to do it damn good. Mm-hmm. But when it's over, it's over and it's fine. Yeah, it's something that as an 18-year-old kid, like, if you don't make it in dirt bikes, like, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. Like, that, your life's over. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's how you look at it. Like, I, I have to get a job. Like, <laughs> how am I going to make money? And that's that's something that I've realized over the last couple of years. Having a family now, like I said, I will go work at mcdonald's 24 7 if i have to if that's what it takes to support my family and and put food on the table then that's what i'll do and um yeah i'm not gonna be happy doing it but i'll do whatever i have to do and like as like you said as just a young kid 18 years old even growing up my whole life like i never was a top amateur like i was a good like fourth fifth place guy uh at the nationals and stuff but I never really knew anything else. Like, I didn't expect anything else other than to be a professional motocross racer. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just going to happen. I didn't, I don't know. Like, I, I never thought about doing anything else. It was, I was going to race motocross professionally and didn't really know if I was going to make any money or anything, but I, that's what I was going to do. There was no other option in my mind. Um, and still to this day, like, that's, that's, all I can think about doing is is racing. So, obviously, I've thought about what I'm going to do after racing because that's a scary thought to think of and not have a plan. It's it's really scary. Um, but yeah, I think once you kind of realize that it's not everything, you can kind of, I guess, relax a little bit and enjoy it. And that's something that I'm really working on right now because it still does feel like everything to me. And if I'm not getting the results that I feel like I'm capable of, it's the end of the world still. And that's something I'm trying to figure out and get past because there is next weekend, there is next race, there is, you know, more times to to get it right. And that's something that, that's been really tough and that, that we're really working hard on. Before we started this, me, you, your wife, and the baby are sitting here, and we just start sharing moto stories. You know, some of the things that she's done, I never knew, and that's awesome. And some of the things that you've done is incredible. And we all have these things of being little kids at the races and just thinking it's the coolest thing. And uh, the fact that you're able to, like, tap into that and remember, this is so awesome, and he's sitting right there, and the next thing out of your mouth was, I can't wait to put him on a bike. We're... A couple years ago, every guy that was a pro racer was like, oh, my kids are never going to ride, all this stuff. Dude, you want your kids to ride. And I think that that's the other big thing is everybody, you really have found that balance of, yes, this is fun and it's serious at the same time. It's very hard, but it's also very easy. It's very difficult, rewarding, all these things. Like, you get it. You want to show him that too. Yeah, it's just something that that I look back on at being, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, my whole life basically – racing and every weekend and you know packing up the motorhome with the family going to the races running around being hooligans and and causing trouble and then going ride my dirt bike and then racing on on Sundays and it was something that 
I'll cherish forever, and I had so much fun doing. Um, obviously, there's the bad things about the sport, like the injuries and stuff like that, that I, I couldn't imagine going through with my kid. Um, but I just look back at how much fun I had racing and growing up, and, and my parents were never serious about it. Like, we just did the best we could. Like, my dad was was pretty good back in the day. He won Loretta's on Super Mini, so he knew how to ride a dirt oh, really? bike. Oh, yeah. Another story that Another we're finding story. out here. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't heard that yet. I've heard that about a thousand times. Yes, but it's also your yeah. dad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, I was taught how to ride a dirt bike properly from the beginning, and I think that's why I've been successful with this. Um, so, obviously, like, I'm not one to, like, go push my kid, and I don't, I don't really expect him to to be pro or anything but i just want him to have as much fun as i did growing up and if he wants to take it serious then i'm all in i'll give him everything he can to succeed in this but i'm not i'm not going to be the guy on the sidelines making him do motos making him go to the gym and it's just something that my dad never did to me it was always up to us if we wanted this and and he told us that from a from a pretty young age is that if you want to do this like it's all on you. I'm not going to tell you to do motos. I'm not going to tell you to go to the gym. I'm not going to tell you to get your bike ready. Like if you want to do this, show me that you want to do this and I'll help you. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of what I feel like I'm going to do with, with my son Riker. And you know, if, if he wants to race, I'm all in. If he doesn't, then we'll find something else to do. I I really don't care, but I'm going to give him the same opportunity that my parents gave me. And and really try to enjoy this family time and and growing a family at the racetrack because I think that's what made our family so close. This was fun. Yeah. I had a good. This is a good hour. Uh, we have to wrap this up though because it's like ten thirty and we have posters <laughs> to shoot in the morning before I have to fly back to the United States and you do too. Thanks, Ruckle. This yep. is big. Pinwright Honda and I'm one. Absolutely, we'll be ready. Fly racing gear. Fly racing gear. Uh, what else? Um, you know what? Never mind. Yeah, I'm not the person to ask right now. <laughs> We're still working some things out. <laughs> okay, thanks, dude. Thanks.